Welcome to Radical Simple Living. This is Series 2, Episode 3. Um, I just started to record this podcast and got about five minutes in when I realised I hadn't plugged the microphone in yet. So this is a, a second try with a microphone, see if it works any better. I'm talking to you from my home, which is in the forests of southern Sweden in a very beautiful part of the world called Småland. And it's early autumn here. It's sunny, but there's the first hint of coldness in the air. It's not very cold yet. Uh, autumn in Smallland is, 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 is not much different from autumn in lots of other bits of Europe. It's, it's not too cold. That comes later on. There will come a time when we'll be very cold. But at the moment, there's just a bit of a chill in the air. But bright sunshine... Still lots of plants growing outside happily, so that's good. That's good. That's how it should be. Now, what I want to talk about today is the concept of the home. And how simple is your home and can you make your house more simple? Well, when I say simple, a lot of people misunderstand me. Because what they think I mean is minimalist. And when they think of a simple home, they think of a home with fairly limited amounts of furniture and the walls all painted white and very few objects hanging around. That's fine if that's what you want, but it's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a simple home. And a simple home has got to be a functional one. It's got to be one that allows you to live your life happily. It's got to allow you one where your family live their life happily. It's got to be one where you have your possessions around you. And it's got to be a very functional place. You've got to do things in your home. I have met some people in my life, and perhaps you've met them too, who don't use the word home. They use the word house or apartment or flat if they're in the UK. And for them, it is little more than a base, a place where they keep their possessions, clothing, books, shoes, things like that. It's a place they leave in the morning and most nights they return home to and they go to bed. They spend most of their time outside the home, either at work or socially enjoying themselves, I suspect. They go out, they meet friends, they eat out, they come back there. Their house, their flat, their apartment is somewhere where they spend time, but it isn't a place that they have any real deep spiritual connection to. Some people who feel like that don't even bother personalising their home. You know, if you visit people ever in their offices, you know that some people personalise their office and they make it their own, even if their space is very limited. Other people don't. Other people leave it as a very blank space that they occupy for some time. So I want to talk today a little bit about what home means to us. And then I want to broaden the discussion a little bit into how we can make our home more simple. Not more minimalistic, but more simple. And how do we do that? How do we go about it? Well, first of all, let's just talk about you, if we can, for a minute. And let's talk about how your home affects you. Now, notice I'm using the word home not to mean a place that you necessarily own. 
It doesn't mean, oh, this is my home and I own it. That's wonderful if you do. But if you don't, the place that you live, if you rent it, or if you share it with somebody else, or if it's your parental um, home, it is still your home. You still live there. And it's got to be very important to you. It, your home is your centre. It's where you go to not only escape from the world if you need to, but it's a place where you find sanctuary, you find peace, you're able to recharge your batteries, you're able to surround yourself with things that you like, and it's a place generally that you feel safe and you feel secure. Now, as soon as I say those words, some of you will have hit on perfect uh, little words that stop your perfect home being perfect. And one of those might be safety, because I know some people live where they feel threatened. Some people feel threatened by people outside their home that are going to move into it and cause problems. And some people are unlucky enough to live with another person that makes them feel unsafe in their own home. And those things are terrible, because after violating your body, violating your home comes a, a pretty close second on the list of atrocities. And uh, if you do feel in danger in your own home, please, please do try and get some help and do something to make that situation better. I know it's not easy, but I think you have to do it. And the other word that people will have picked up on is noise. Some people live in a in a house and they've surrounded it with things they want to surround themselves with and they've worked hard to personalise it and make it somewhere where they want to feel happy but they may have people living close by who make that impossible. You may have people that are noisy. You may have people that are antisocial. You may have people that are angry and unfriendly living close to you or on top of you or in the same building as you next door to you that make your life difficult and you come home in the evening you sit down in your home to relax and all of a sudden you're hit with noise or arguments or pets that are out of control or people revving up machinery or people outside your house selling crystal meth or something else these things are too terrible. They too violate your personal space. You shouldn't have to cope with that. You shouldn't have to have that. And as somebody that has lived with noisy neighbours in the past, very noisy neighbours that made my life a misery, I can tell you the only thing that you can really do to make this work is to find some way to move. Now, moving might be a problem to you. You may feel that you don't have enough money to move. You may feel that you love everything else about your house except the noisy neighbours. You may find feel that you cannot justifiably move away from the town you're living in. But I'm going to tell you, unless something incredible happens to your noisy neighbour, or they give up their drug habit, or they give up their noise, or they give up their noisy dogs, or something like that, the only way you're going to escape that situation is by finding somebody else to live. And the truly radical solution, I would say to that, is if you live in a big city and it's noisy, find a way to move out of the big city. Move to the fringes of the big city. Move to a small town. Move to a village. Move to the countryside. Ways are possible to do this. Generally speaking, the further you get away from a big city, the cheaper property gets, the cheaper rents get, 
And if you can find work there, or if maybe you have some means of supporting yourself that don't inquire work, maybe you're on a pension or something, do try and find a place where you can make your life better and you can make your life happy. I know it's a big change. I know you say, oh, it's easy for you to say living in the forest is all right. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't born here. I, I came here. I was born in the middle of South London. And it was very noisy and it was very crime-ridden. Apologies to all those living in South London today. I know all South London isn't like that. The bit I was living in was, it was tough. It was bad. And if I look back over my life now with a map and a series of pins, I could look at my life as moving further and further away from the big city every time. Maybe that's what I've done. Maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously. But... Uh, you have to do it if you want peaceful home and if you want a home where you can truly discover yourself. Okay, what does a simple home really mean? First of all, the things that are in your home should be carefully chosen. The things that are in your home should be things that you or your partner and you have chosen, or your family and you have chosen together and you want in your house. If you're listening, where you live now, have a good look around. If there's things you don't really want, and if there's things you don't really like, what can you do to get rid of them? Now, some of those things might be easy, like, I really don't like this room, it's decorated by the people who lived here before me, and I can't stand it. That's fairly simple, you can decorate it. And more about that in a minute. If there's furniture in it you can't stand, get rid of it. If there's too much stuff for you there, get rid of it. If there's not enough stuff, take a trip to your nearest charity second-hand store and see if you can buy a few things that are going to make your living environment better. Um, we all know, don't we, that quote by William Morris and here it is. William Morris um, was one of the real instigators and movers of the arts and crafts movement in Britain and we're going to do a podcast soon about the arts and crafts movement and its effect on simplicity and its effect on your life maybe. William Morris is famous for all sorts of things. He was a social reformer. He was a, not a bad novelist, actually. He was a writer. He was an artist. He was all sorts of things. But today we're looking at him as a, as a philosopher. And what he said was this, quote, Have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. Have nothing in your houses that you do the sorry that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful william morris now what did morris mean by that well that the, the, the word in it is believe isn't it it's believed to be beautiful because morris knew as well as anyone else that beauty is very subjective and what one person finds wonderful another person may find awful there's nothing worse than somebody buying you something or sending you even a picture on, on a social media and saying, oh, I saw this and knew you'd like it. And you look at it and you think, no, I really don't like that. They think it's beautiful. You don't. You cannot fill your house with things that other people find beautiful. 
you have to fill your home with things that you believe to be beautiful. So if you want art on the wall, make sure it's art you really like. If it's somebody else's art that was there when you moved in and you don't like it, well, it's easy. Get rid of it. You have to have that. If you can't find any art that you really like to hang on your wall, it's better to have a wall without art on it rather than a wall with art you don't like on it. And by art, I'm not talking about fine art. I'm not necessarily talking about paintings and uh, lino cuts and drawings that you like. If you want to, if you're a teenager, I dare say you cut pages out of magazines and pin them to your wall. You can do that if you want to. If you can find a cheap source of old magazines on anything you're interested in, and there's pages of those magazines that you find useful, and you haven't got any money to spare, take them out, put them on your wall. If you've got a bit more money to spare, buy a frame for them. Go to flea markets, charity stores, find frames with something horrible in it, some photograph of Auntie Betty or something. Take Auntie Betty out and put your picture in. You can soon fill your walls with things you really like. Now, um, you can do that and you can even extend that to things like calendars. If you have a calendar on your wall, you know, make sure it's a calendar you really, really like. OK, if you have to pay a bit more for it than the free calendar that's provided for you by your local um, petrol filling station down the road, do that. Find a nice calendar you want. You've got to look at that for a year. Get a calendar you like. Get a calendar with nice fine art on it or views of the countryside or whatever you find beautiful. If you have furniture in your house and you think it's beautiful, that's fine. If you don't, see what you can do about changing it. Donate your furniture to charity and go and buy some new furniture. When I say new furniture, I should say different furniture. Your furniture may be old. I'm sitting in a room now. And one of the things I find beautiful is an old church pew that um, comes from Wales and was in an old uh, congregational chapel. It dates from the late 17th century. It costs nothing. It costs nothing. It was so cheap because there were in Britain there are just loads of pews that are thrown away. I like it. I sit on it. I have pot plants on it. I keep piles of books on it. It's, it's a long one. It's wonderful. I like it. I love it. It's beautiful. Some other people might come into my uh, room here and say, why has he got that old church pew there? You know, because it's, it's what I find beautiful. That's important. Also in the room I'm in are some of these old Swedish tiled stoves. I have five here in the house and I love them and I use them and they're beautiful. I know that a lot of other people have moved into old Swedish houses and had them taken out. To me, that would be an act of vandalism. I think they're a thing of beauty and I like them very much indeed. Now, you haven't got to wonder what other people think. Most of us, I think, you may live in a house where there's a constant stream of people coming in every day to visit. Or you may live in a home like me that if somebody knocks on the door... You spend three minutes wondering who could be knocking on the door. And then when you go there, they've gone. Um, some people's homes are very commonly visited by other people. Other people's are not. It doesn't matter. 
don't have a home that is there. It should be welcoming for other people that come and there should be somewhere to sit and it should be as clean and tidy as you can manage that week, that's fine. But you're not doing it to impress other people. When I did the podcast in series one about clothing, which you can find, I can't remember the number now, but I'm sure you can find it easily. It says you don't dress for other people. You dress for yourself to try and show what kind of person you are by what you wear. And the same thing is in your house. People can come here and say, when I had to have some electrical work done in this house, we first moved in, um, the electricians thought it was a museum I was setting up (laughs) because there was so much old furniture. They thought it was a museum and old books. No, it's my home. I like it that way. Okay, so things you should choose when you bring things into your home. This comes on to our our second part, really, our second thing. So first of all, things should be in your home that you really want there, you really like. The second thing is your home should be as environmentally friendly as it could be. If your home is full of stuff you don't like, don't just throw it in the trash. See how you can recycle it. See if you can give it to somebody that needs it. If you've got a table you don't like, there may be some poor family living not far from you that hasn't got a table and would love one. So don't throw your stuff away. Give it to someone else. Give it to charity and they can sell it and get some money and help people with it. Give stuff you don't want away. If you do have to dispose of things, if things are just too pointless, um, Back in the 70s, lots of people bought that furniture that was made out of sort of chipboard that was all screwed together with those impossibly difficult little toggles and things. And within about 10 years, the chipboard crumbles and the toggles no longer fit. And so your um, chest of drawers or whatever it was starts to disintegrate in front of you. Um, Take it somewhere where it can be recycled properly. Don't throw it away. Recycle is important. And then when you go out to buy something else, buy something that's made of wood. If you can't afford new wood, buy secondhand wood. That is, believe me, I've lived in lots of places and wherever I've lived, there has been more wooden furniture available secondhand than you can shake a stick at. And if it's nice and if you like it, and remember Morris's other thing, that uh, you know it to be useful, then you can buy it relatively cheaply and in your home house it will help turn your house or your flat or your apartment into your home because it will be something you've chosen. Now also in the podcast on clothing we said that you shouldn't really be looking at fashion because fashion will change and if you make your house into a very fashionable place It will look hideous in a year's time. It may well look hideous at the moment, depending on what the fashion is. Don't go for fashion, go for style. Don't buy, I don't know, something because everyone else is buying. If you see something that somebody else has got and you like, well, copy it. That's fine. You can steal ideas. That's uh, another podcast from Series 1. But um, you, you should be able to choose things that you like and you're content with and you're happy with. It shouldn't be fashionable. It can be to fit in with the style that you've decided. My house here was built in 1908. It's not the oldest house I've lived in. It's um, I've lived in houses from the 1850s and the 1870s. But this is a, an old house. 
And I like to think that somebody from 1908 could come in and apart from wondering what the odd plug socket and electric light fitting are, they would feel quite at home. They'd recognise the furniture for what it is. They might have worries about the freezer, um, but they will recognise most of it. The colours I like to keep from 1908 colours. I find paintings. Um, I live in Sweden, so it's not too difficult because I can look at Carl Larsson interior paintings, see the colours he was using and uh, go to the paint shop and see if I can find them out. When you do buy paints, please make sure that they are environmentally friendly paints. I don't use any paints here in this old house that release unpleasant solvents into the atmosphere. These solvents are, some of them are carcinogenic, some of them are just unpleasant greenhouse gases, and some of them just stink and are horrible. You don't want a home that smells bad. I use water-based paints in every room for everything, for woodwork, for flooring, for walls, for furniture, for everything. I use water-based products. And that means that, A, they dry a lot quicker, uh, they look fine, they're lasting. Technology of these uh, uh, um, products has got a lot better over the years and I know I'm not damaging the environment too much. So oil-based paints which need solvents like xylol and, and all sorts of nasty things like that in it, um, benzenes, all of those things, you don't want them in your home if you can help it, so don't have them there. So. Find things going in your home that are recyclable. If you're choosing fabrics, choose natural fabrics. Go for wool and cotton and linen. If you want to buy furniture, go for wood. If you want to go for leather, go for real leather. Don't go for PVC. Again, you can get it secondhand. If you're vegan and you don't believe in, in uh, leather as such, you have to give yourself a moral decision of whether if you find a piece of furniture in a second-hand shop that has got a leather seat on it and it's a hundred years old uh, is that going to go against your um, morals i don't know i'm not going to tell you your morals you have to decide those for yourself okay as well as thinking about your home with things you choose Having a simple home has got to be environmentally sustainable. And that includes how you heat your home. So think very carefully about that and see what you can do to make sure you're causing as little carbon footprint as you can. Last thing I want to talk about is how do you make home in something else? Because home isn't just a mass of objects, is it? Home isn't the wallpaper, the rugs, the flooring, the paint colour, the furniture home is not those things you could have all those things and it wouldn't make it home what makes it home is how you react to it and how other people react to it and then we're talking about the spiritual value of a home now again just like i don't tell you your morals i'm not going to tell you your spiritual pathway you may have one you may come from a a Muslim tradition, a Jewish tradition, a Catholic tradition, a Protestant tradition, a pagan tradition. Uh, uh, you can you, you could come from a Sikh tradition. Whatever tradition you come from, that is going to influence your uh, spirituality in your home, even if it doesn't relate to you much anymore. You may come from 
a Hindu family, but that may have been three generations back. But maybe it still influences how you want to decorate your home. I'm a Quaker and the Quaker tradition strongly influences how I decorate my home. Yes, it does. It's got to be simple. It's got to be straightforward. Nothing too Baroque, nothing too Rococo. It's got to be plain, simple lines and structures that I like. They don't have to match all the bits in my house, so you, but they've got to be functional and beautiful. But I want to give you a quote about spirituality in the home, and this 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 is good one. This is from Laura Ingalls Wilder. Now, as you know, back in series one, I spent a lot of time talking about most people that have some idea of homesteading or simplicity in their life. Read a lot of Laura Ingalls Wilder when they were younger, and if like me, you've had lots of children, um, I've had five. Uh, I've read them all, Laura Ingalls Wilder, and, um, uh, and they remember it. I'm sure they do. This is a quote from her, and this says, As years pass, I am coming more and more to understand that it is the common everyday blessings of our common everyday lives for which we should be particularly grateful. They are the things that fill our lives with comfort, and our hearts with gladness. Just the pure air to breathe and the strength to breathe it. Just the warmth and shelter and home folks. Just plain food that gives us strength, the bright sunshine on a cold day and the cool breeze when the day is warm. End of quote. Now, I think what she's saying there is that feeling at home and feeling happy and feel relaxed has got to do a lot with you appreciating what you've got rather than hankering after what you haven't got. And all of us hanker, even though we try not, all of us will say, oh, I'd really like some new curtains for that room. Or I really wish I could, you know, get a new bedspread. I really wish... All of us have those feelings. But as well as those things, you can truly appreciate what you have. And some of those things are fresh air and sunlight. Do let fresh air and sunlight into your home. Do let simple home-cooked food into your home. Do let the joy of being with your family be part of your home. If you live alone, then invite people into your home and extend your family to friendships with other people that are going to make you feel good about yourself and good about your home. Your home is important not for what's in it, but it's because it's part of you. And with your home, if you have a garden, if you have a balcony, for all I know, you might have an enormous uh, ranch in Wyoming. Whatever it is, your home isn't surrounded by the four walls. It extends into your garden outside. Make your garden a place of beauty and a place of usefulness. Grow pollinating plants, grow food. Make all of those things part of what you think of as home. Now, it's my intention to let you know a little bit about what I'm doing at the moment at my home here. And bearing in mind I'm listened to on all continents of the Earth except Antarctica, I think. And here it's just coming to autumn at the time of recording. And I'm clearing some of the vegetable plots that I've got the crops off of or the slugs and the badgers have got the crops off of, depending uh, on where the attacks have been. And I'm clearing those, and I'm digging out weeds, and I'm digging out grass roots, and I'm making those ready for winter. 
a lot of people enjoy no-dig gardening. I actually like a bit of digging. I like to get out there on chilly morning and exercise my muscles with a, a spade and do some digging. Turn over the soil, not too deep, but turn it up so you can ex expose some of those um, snail eggs, expose some of the roots of weeds to a bit of frost that will be coming soon. So that's one of the jobs I'm doing at the moment. The other job is I'm working on my hedge. As I think I told you in the last series, the, the hedge that was surrounding our house here that was laid by earlier German owners of the house was a plant called the Rugged Rose, Rosa Rugosa. It comes from Japan originally. And it, it has been identified as an invasive species in many parts of the world and the Swedish government are about to change the law to make it an illegal invasive species. So what I have done because they had a rugged rugosa uh, hedge, which did encourage lots of pollinators and did look nice, but was almost impossible to keep under control. You need oh, nerves of steel to go into one of those plants with a pair of secateurs and cut it back. It really is difficult. So I am glad that it's going because I'm replacing it with a mixed native hedge. Uh, so far, it's got in it things like oak, and hazel and mountain ash and um, Swedish white beam. It's got in it some uh, sumac. It's got it, I know that's not strictly native, but it's native to the kind of climate that I live in. Um, and I've got some honeysuckle and I've got some maples and all sorts of things like that. So it's going to be a mixed native hedge or nearly native hedge for you purists out there. But it's going to look good. It's going to be much easier to control. It's going to take three or four years to look really good. And the way I did it was by planting the new hedge behind the old hedge and then taking the old hedge out and then planting out, replanting there. So I have a double thickness of, of plants and most of them um, are looking quite good. Even though I, I've moved them and planted them at various times over the summer, they're looking good. And I'm going to be doing that into the, into the autumn, into the winter, hoping it all survives and gives me a lovely show next spring. It's always good to do things in autumn that you're not going to see the results of until next spring. It gives you hope, it gives you forward vision, and all of those things are important in your simple garden and in your simple home. That's all for today. Um, if you like the podcast, please let me know. I'm always pleased to hear from people. And... As I say, I'm very bad on social media, particularly in the, the, the spring, summer and autumn. I'm OK in the middle of winter. In spring, summer and autumn, I'm not there a lot. So if you could do anything to tell people on social media about the podcast, I would be so grateful to you and it would be so helpful to me. Thank you for visiting me today and I hope to see you again very soon in about a week's time. How would that be for you? Excellent. Thank you. Bye bye.